This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. You know, one of the premier drama programs of the golden age of radio was subtitled Radio's Outstanding Theater of Thrills and focused on suspense thriller-type scripts, usually featuring Hollywood actors of the time. I'm referring to suspense. That program riveted radio audiences with the fine acting and writing skills of those involved, whether we're speaking about the actors or those on the production side of things. Suspense went through several major phases, characterized by different hosts, sponsors, and director-producers. Formula plot devices were followed for all but a handful of episodes. The protagonist was usually a normal person suddenly dropped into a threatening situation or bizarre situation, and solutions were withheld until the last possible second, and the evildoers were usually punished in the end. Suspense received a special citation of honor, the Peabody Award, for 1946. The program's heyday was really in the 1950s when radio actor, producer, and director Elliot Lewis took over. Here the material reached new levels of sophistication. The writing was taut and the casting, which had always been strong of the series, featured such film stars as Orson Welles, Joseph Cotton, Henry Fonda, Humphrey Bogart, Marlena Dietrich, and Lena Horne, to name just a few. It took an unexpected turn when Lewis expanded the repertory to include many radio-famous drama and comedy stars, often playing against type, such as Jack Benny, Jim and Marion Jordan of Fibber McGee and Molly. They were heard in the episode Backseat Driver, which originally aired February 3rd of 49. The highest production values enhanced suspense, and many of the shows retain their power to grip and entertain. And tonight we've got a real treat for you in store. One of the series' earliest successes and its single most popular episode is Lucille Fletcher's Sorry, Wrong Number. It's about a bedridden woman who panics after hearing a murder plot on a cross-telephone connection, but she's unable to persuade anyone to investigate. First broadcast in May of uh, 1943, it was restaged seven times last on February of 1960, each time with Agnes Moorhead in the starring role. So, get set to be frightened as we hear one of the best shows ever broadcast. The Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California presents... Suspense! Tonight, in response to requests from many thousands of listeners, Roma Wines bring you the Metro-Golden-Mayer star, Miss Agnes Moorhead, in Sorry, Wrong Number, a suspense play produced, edited, and directed for Roma Wines by William Spear.
Operator, I've been dialing Murray Hill 40098 now for the last three quarters of an hour, and the line is always busy. I don't see how it could be busy that long. Will you try it for me, please? I will be glad to try that number for you. One moment, please. I don't see how it could be busy all this time. It's my husband's office. He's working late tonight, and I'm all alone here in the house. My health is very poor, and I've been feeling so nervous all day. Ringing Murray Hill 40098. Hello? Hello, is Mr. Stevenson there? Hello? 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 George? Yes, sir, this is George speaking. Hello? Who's this? What number am I calling, please? Uh, uh, I'm here with our client. Oh, good. Is everything okay? Is the coast clear for tonight? Yes, George. He says the coast is clear for tonight. Okay, okay. Where are you now? In a phone booth. Don't worry, everything's okay. Very well. You know the address. Yes, I know, I know. Let's see now. At uh, 11 o'clock, the private patrolman goes around to the bar on 2nd Avenue for a beer. That's right, 11 o'clock. Okay. And be sure that all the lights downstairs are out. There should be only one light visible from the street. Okay, okay. What's that? Oh, just a minute, George. Oh, our client tells me that at 11.15, a train crosses the bridge. It makes a noise in case her window is open and she should scream. Hello, what number is this, please? Okay, I understand. That's uh, 11.15, the train, huh? Yeah. Do you remember everything else, George? Yeah, yeah. I'll make it quick, as little blood as possible, because our client does not wish to make her suffer long. That's right. You'll use a knife? Yes, a knife will be okay. Then afterwards, I remove the rings and the bracelets and the jewelry in the bureau drawer because our client wishes it to look like a simple robbery. Eh? <laughs> Don't worry, everything's okay. I know. Oh, how awful. How Your call, please. Operator, I, I, I've just been cut off. I'm sorry, what number were you calling? Why, it was supposed to be Murray Hill 40098, but it wasn't. Some wires must have got crossed. I was cut into a wrong number, and I, I, I've just heard the most dreadful thing, something about a murder. And, Operator, you'll simply have to retrace that call at once. I, I beg your pardon? Uh, may I help you? Oh, I, I know it was a wrong number, and I had no business listening, but these two men, they were cold-blooded fiends, and they were going to murder somebody, some poor, innocent woman who was all alone in a house near a bridge. A and we've got to stop them. we just got to. What number are you calling? Well, that doesn't matter. This was a wrong number, and you dialed it for me, and we've got to find out what it was immediately. What number did you call? Oh, why are you so stupid? What, what time is it? You mean to tell me you can't find out what that number was just now? I'll connect you with the chief operator. Oh, I think it's perfectly shameful. Now, now look. Look, it was obviously a case of some little snip of the finger. I, I told you to try Murray Hill 40098 for me. You dialed it, but your finger must have slipped, and I was connected with some other number. And I could hear them, but they couldn't hear me. Now, I simply fail to see why you couldn't make that same mistake again on purpose. Why you couldn't try to dial Murray Hill 40098 in the same sort of careless way. Murray Hill 40098, I will try to get it for you. Well, thank you. 
sorry, Murray Hill 40098 is busy. I will call you Operator! In... Operator! Your call, please? You didn't try to get that wrong number at all. I asked you explicitly, and all you did was dial correctly. I am sorry. What number are you calling? Well, can't you for once forget what number I'm calling and do something for me? Now, I, I want to trace that call. It's my civic duty, and it's your civic duty to trace that call and apprehend those dangerous killers. And if you won't... I will connect you with the chief operator. Well, please... This is the chief operator. Oh, uh, chief operator, I want you to trace a call, a, a telephone call, immediately. I, I don't know where it came from or who was making it, but it's absolutely necessary that it be tracked down because it was about a murder that someone's planning, a, a, a terrible, cold-blooded murder of a poor, innocent woman tonight at 11.15. I see. Uh, oh, can you trace it for me? Can you track down those men? Well, I'm not certain. It depends. Depends on what? It depends on whether the call is still going on. If it's a live call, we can trace it on the equipment. If it's been disconnected, we can't. Disconnected? If the parties have stopped talking to each other. Oh, but of course they must have stopped talking to each other by now. That was at least five minutes ago, and they didn't sound like the type who would make a long call. Well, I can try tracing it. May I have your name, please? Mrs. Stevenson. Mrs. Albert Stevenson. Uh, but and listen. your telephone number, please. Plaza 32098. But, but if you go on wasting all Why this time... Why do you want this call traced, please? Why? Oh, no reason. I, I mean, I, I merely felt very strongly that something ought to be done about it. These men sounded like killers. They're, they're dangerous. They're going to murder this woman at 11.15 tonight, and I, I thought the police ought to know. Have you reported this to the police? Well, no, not yet. You want this call checked purely as a private individual? Yes, yes, but meanwhile... I'm sorry, Mrs. Stevenson, but I'm afraid we couldn't make this check for you and trace the call... Just on your say-so as a private individual. I, We'd have to have something more official. Oh, for heaven's sake. You mean to tell me I can't report that there's going to be a murder without getting tied up in all this red tape? Why, it's perfectly idiotic. Well, all right, all right, I'll call the police. Thank you. I'm sure that would be the best way to do it. It's ridiculous. Curse such nonsense. Utter nonsense. Your call, please? The police department. Get me the police department, please. Thank you. Ringing the police department. Oh, can't, can't you ring them direct? Police station, precinct 43, Sergeant Martin speaking. Police department, uh, this is Mrs. Stevenson. Mrs. Albert Smythe Stevenson of 53 North Sutton Place. I'm calling up to report a murder. Huh? I mean, the murder hasn't been committed yet, but I just uh, overheard plans for it over the telephone, over a wrong number that the operator gave me. I I've been trying to trace down the call myself, but everybody is so stupid, and I guess in the end you're the only people who could do anything. Yes, ma'am. It was a perfectly definite murder. I heard their plans distinctly. Two men were talking, and they were going to murder some woman at 11.15 tonight. She lived in a house near a bridge. Are, are you listening to me? Uh, oh, yes, yes. And, and there was a private patrolman on the street. He was going to go around for a beer on 2nd Avenue, and, and there was some third man, a client, who was paying to have this poor woman murdered. They were going to take her rings and bracelets and, and use a knife. Well, it's unnerved me dreadfully, and I'm not well. Yeah. Uh, uh, yes, I see. Uh, well, when uh, was all this, ma'am? About eight minutes ago. Oh, then you can do something you do understand. What's your name, ma'am? Mrs. Stevenson. Mrs. Albert Stevenson. And your address? 5353 North Sutton Place. That's near a bridge, the Queensboro Bridge, you know. A and we have a private patrolman on yeah. our street. And 2nd Avenue is uh, the next... And uh, uh, what uh, 
was that number you were calling? Murray Hill 40098. But that wasn't the number I overheard. I mean, Murray Hill 40098 is my husband's office. Mm. He's working late tonight, and I was trying to reach him to ask him to come home. Yeah. I'm an invalid, you know, and it's the maid's night off, and I hate to be alone, even though he says yeah, I'm well, perfectly you... safe as long as I have the telephone right beside my bed. Well, uh, we'll look into it, Miss Stevenson, and uh, see if we can check it with the telephone company. But the telephone company said they couldn't check the call of the parties that stopped talking. I've already taken care of that. Oh, you have? Yes, and personally, I feel you ought to do something far more immediate and drastic than just check the call. What good does checking the call do if they stop talking? By the time you track it down, they'll already have committed the murder. Uh, well, we'll, uh, we'll take care of it, don't you worry. I'd say the whole thing calls for a search, a complete and thorough search of the whole city. I'm very near the bridge, and I'm not far from 2nd Avenue, and and I know I'd feel a whole lot better if you sent around a radio car to this neighborhood at once. Well, uh, what makes you think the murder is going to be committed in your neighborhood, ma'am? Well, I I, I don't know. Only the coincidence is so horrible. 2nd Avenue is the patrolman, the the bridge? Yeah, well, uh, 2nd Avenue, you know, is a very long street, ma'am, and you know how many bridges there are in the city of New York alone. (laughs) Not to mention Brooklyn, Staten Island, and Queens and the Bronx. I know all that. How do you know there isn't some little house on Staten Island, on some little Second Avenue you never heard about? How do you know they were even talking about New York at all? But I heard the call in the New York dialing system. Well, maybe it was a long-distance call you overheard. You know, telephones are funny things. Now, uh, look, lady, why don't you look at it this way? Supposing you hadn't broken in on that telephone call. Supposing you got your husband the way you always do. You wouldn't be so upset, would you? Well, I, I, I suppose not. Only it sounded so inhuman, so cold-blooded. Well, a lot of murders are plotted in this city every day, ma'am. We manage to prevent almost all of them, but a clue this kind is so vague. There's much more use to us, no clue at all. But surely you can... Unless you have some reason for thinking this call was phony and that someone may be planning to murder you. Me? Oh, no. No, I hardly think so. I, I'm, I mean, why should anybody... I'm alone all day and night. I I see nobody except my maid, Eloise. She's a big 200-pounder. She's too lazy to bring up my breakfast tray. And the only other person is my husband, Albert. He's crazy about me. He adores me. He waits on me hand and foot and has scarcely left my side since I took sick 12 years ago. Yeah, well, uh, then there's uh, nothing for you to worry about. And now if uh, you'll just leave the rest of this to us, we'll take care of it. But what will you do? It's so late. It's nearly 11 now. We'll take care of it, lady. Well, will you broadcast it all over the city and and, and, and send out squads and, and, and warn your radio cars to watch out, especially in suspicious neighborhoods like mine? Yeah, lady, I said we'd take care of it. Now, uh... I've got a couple of other matters here on my desk that require immediate attention. So good night, ma'am, and thank you. Oh, you, you idiot. So why did I hang up the phone like that? Now he'll think I am a fool. Oh, why doesn't Albert come home? Why doesn't he? The operator again. Oh, your call, please. Operator, for heaven's sake, will you ring that Murray Hill 40098 number again? I can't think what's keeping him so long. I will try it for you. Oh, I'm sorry, Murray Hill 40098 is busy. I will call I can you. hear it. You don't have to tell me. I know it's busy. Oh. 
If I could only get out of his bed for a little while. If I could get a breath of fresh air or just lean out of the window and see the street. Hello? Albert? Hello? 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 Oh, what's the matter with his phone? Hello? 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 Oh, for heaven's sake, who is this? Hello? 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 matter with this telephone tonight, but it's positively driving me crazy. I've never seen such inefficient, miserable service. Now, look. Look, I'm an invalid, and I'm very nervous, and I'm not supposed to be annoyed. But if this keeps on much longer... What seems to be the trouble? Well, everything's wrong. I haven't had one bit of satisfaction out of one call I've made this evening. The whole world could be murdered for all you people care, and now my phone keeps ringing and ringing and ringing and ringing every five seconds or so, and when I pick it up, there's no one there. I am sorry. If you will hang up, I will test it for you. I don't want you to test it for me. I want you to put that call through, whatever it is, at once. I'm afraid I cannot do you that. You can't? And why? Why, may I ask? The dial system is automatic. <gasps> if someone is trying to dial your number, there is no way to check whether the call is coming through the system or not, oh. unless the person who is trying to reach you complains to his particular operator. Well, of all the stupid... And meanwhile, I've got to sit here in my bed, suffering every time that phone rings, imagining everything. I will try to check the trouble check for it, you, madam. Check it, That's all anybody can do. Oh, what's the use of talking to you? You're so stupid. I'll fix her. Molly, the impudence. How dare she speak to me like that? How dare she speak to me like that? No satisfaction out of anybody. Your call, please. Young woman, I don't know your name, but there are ways of finding you out. And I'm going to report you to your superiors for the most unpardonable rudeness and insolence that has ever been my privilege. Give me the business office at once. You may dial that number direct. Dial it direct? I'll do no such thing. I don't even know the number. The number is in the directory, or you may secure it by dialing... Listen here, you... Oh, what's the use? (laughs) Oh, for heaven's sake, I'm going out of my mind, out of my mind. Do you hear? Answer me, who is this? You realize you're driving me crazy? Who's calling me? What are you doing it for? Now stop it. Stop it. Stop it, I say. Hello, hello. If you don't stop ringing, I'm going to call the police. Do you hear? The police! (laughs) If Albert would only come home. (laughs) Oh, let it ring. Let it go on ringing. It's a trick of some kind. I won't answer it. I won't answer it. I won't. Even if it goes on ringing all night, I won't answer it. I won't answer it. (laughs) Now, now what's the matter? Why do they stop ringing all of a sudden? What time is it? Where's my clock? Where is it? Five to eleven. They decided something. Hey, sure, I'm home. They've heard my voice answering them just now. That's why they've been ringing me. Why no one has answered me. Oh. Oh. Oh, where is she? Where is she? Why doesn't she answer? Your call, please. Where were you just now? Why didn't you answer at once? Give me the police department.
I'm sorry, the line is busy. I will call you. Busy? But that's impossible. The police department can't be busy. There must be other lines available. The line is busy. I will try to get them for you later. No, no, I've got to speak to them now. It may be too late. I've, I've got to talk to someone. What number do you wish to speak to? I don't know, but there must be someone to protect people beside the police department. A, a, a detective agency. And... You will find agencies listed in the classified directory. But I don't have a classified... I mean, I'm too nervous to look it up, and I, I don't know how to use the book. I... I will connect you with information. Perhaps she will be able to help you. No, no. Oh, oh, you're being spiteful, aren't you? You don't care, do you, what happens to me? I could die, and you wouldn't care. Oh, stop it. Stop it. I can't stand anymore. Hello, what do you want? Stop ringing, will you? Stop it. Hello? Is this Plaza 32099? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, I, I'm sorry. This is Plaza 32099. This is Western Union. I have a telegram here for Mrs. Albert Stevenson. Is there anyone there to receive the message? I... I am Mrs. Stevenson. The telegram is as follows. Mrs. Albert Stevenson, 53 North Sutton Place, New York, New York. Darling, terribly sorry. Tried to get you for last hour, but line busy. Leaving for Boston, 11 p.m. tonight on urgent business. Back tomorrow afternoon. Keep happy. Love signed, Albert. Oh, no. Do you wish us to deliver a copy of the message? No. No, thank you. Thank you, madam. Good night. Good night. No. Oh, no. I don't believe it. He couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. Not when he knows how we all alone. It's some trick. It's some trick. Some fiendish trick. I know it. Your call, please. Operator. Try that Murray Hills 40098 number for me just once more, please. You may dial that number direct. Oh. Albert, how could you? How could you? <laughs> oh, but I can't be alone tonight. I can't. If I'm alone one more second, I'll go mad. I don't care what he says or what the expense is. I'm a sick woman. I'm entitled to some consideration. <laughs> telephone number of Henchley Hospital. Henchley Hospital? Do you have the street address? No. No, it's somewhere in the 70s. It's a very small, private, and exclusive hospital where I had my appendix out two years ago. Henchley. H-E-N-C-H-L. please. Please hurry. And please, what is the time? You may find out the time by dialing Meridian 71212. Oh, for heaven's sake, I've no time to be dialing. The number of Henchley Hospital is Butterfield 89970. <laughs> Henchley Hospital, good evening. Nurses Registry. Uh, Who was it you wish to speak to? I want the nurses registry at once. I want a trained nurse. I want to hire her immediately for the night. I see. 
And uh, what is the nature of the case, madam? Nerves. I'm very nervous. I need soothing and companionship. You see, my husband is away, and I'm... Uh, have you been recommended to us by any doctor in particular, madam? No, but I really don't see why all this catechizing is necessary. I want a trained nurse. I was a patient in your hospital two years ago, and after all, I do expect to pay this person for attending me. We quite understand that, madam. But these are war times, you know. I... Registered nurses are very scarce just now, and our superintendent has asked us to send people out only on cases where the physician in charge feels it is absolutely necessary. Well, it is absolutely necessary. I'm a sick woman. I'm, I'm very upset, very. I'm alone in this house, and I'm an invalid, and, and tonight I overheard a telephone conversation that upset me dreadfully. A, a woman's going to be killed when a train... In, in fact, if someone doesn't come at once, I'm afraid I'll go out of my mind. I see. Well, uh, I'll speak to Miss Phillips as soon as she comes in. Uh, what is your name, Miss madam? Miss Phillips. And when do you expect her in? I really couldn't say. She went out to supper at 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock? Oh, it's not 11 yet. Oh, oh, my clock has stopped. I thought it was running down. What time is it? Just 15 minutes past 11. What, what was that? What was what, madam? That, that clicked just now in my own telephone. As though someone has lifted the receiver off the hook, off the extension telephone downstairs. I didn't hear it, madam. Now, about... But I the... did! There's someone in this house. Someone downstairs in the kitchen. And they're listening to me now. They're li... I won't pick it up. I won't. I won't let them hear me. I'll be quiet and they'll think. But if I don't call someone now, while they're still down there, there'll be no time Call, please. Operator, I'm I'm in desperate trouble. I I'm sorry, I cannot hear you. Please speak louder. I hear. I, there's someone listening. Can you hear me now? I am sorry. But you've got to hear me. Please, please, you've got to help me. There's someone in this house. Someone who's going to murder me, and you've got to get in touch with the There it is. There it is. He's put it down. He's put down the extension phone. He's coming upstairs. He's he's coming up the stairs. Give me the police department. The police department. One moment, please. I will connect you. Department, I, well, I'm sorry. Must have got the wrong number. Don't worry. Everything's okay. And so closes Sorry, Wrong Number, starring Agnes Moorhead. Tonight's tale of... Suspense. Suspense is produced and directed by William Spear. Don't forget then next Monday, same time, for Michelle Morgan, Philip Dorn, with George Coloris in Suspense. Presented by Roma Wines. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world.
Stay tuned for Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis and a show that's aired when their careers were at the highest point ever. It was 1949, and we listen in as Jane Russell drops by. The National Broadcasting Company brings you transcribed The Martin and Lewis Show. Our guest tonight, Jane Russell, featuring Flo McMichael, Sheldon Leonard, Ben Alexander, Dick Stabile, and his orchestra, and starring Dean Martin. That old black magic has been its spell. That old black magic that you weave so well. And Jerry Lewis. Ah, yes. And once you had me in your spell, my darling. Remember that summer that we fell in love? Every night we'd go to the drive-in theater and neck until that terrible evening when the manager told us we'd have to get a car. Well, as many of you know, Dean and Jerry have bought a garage, which they're converting into a nightclub. With the opening night only two weeks away, we find them in their office, hopelessly entangled in a mass of details and unpaid bills. Ah, uh, Jerry, where did that secretary go to? Florence sure has these bills in an awful mess. Why don't you stop that daydream and help me try to straighten things out here? I can't help daydreaming, Dean. Gee, in another week, the club will be open and the money will start rolling in. Boy, will we be rich. Every day I'll drive out to my golf course... Play nine holes, kiss my caddy. Play another nine holes, kiss my caddy. Oh, wait a minute, Jerry. Kiss your caddy? Sure. I'll be so rich I'll have Ava Gardner carrying my clubs for me. (laughs) Oh, that's wonderful. And tell me, Allie, what's new with Rita? Oh, now, look, if you aren't going to help, Jerry, at least find Florence for me. What a secretary. Where is she, anyway? I don't know, but don't bawl her out, Dean. I think she's about ready to quit anyway. Remember the trouble we got into the last time she quit? Yeah, we didn't know whether we were standing on our heads or what. Maybe you didn't know, but I knew what I was doing. I was standing on my head. (laughs) Oh, Jerry, don't be an imbecile. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm an imbecile. Do you know what I'm talking about? Well, of course not. See, you're just as imbecile as I am. <laughs> Jerry, you might as well face it that we're helpless without... Hello, Mr. Martin. Hello, Mr. Lewis. Now, Florence, where have you been? Well, uh, the decorator's hanging some drapes out in the club, and I was just giving him some hints. Oh, that's good. Did he follow him? No. He just went on hanging the drapes. Florence, I don't want you to think that I'm bawling you out about your work here in the office, but about the checks you've written, let's see, they total $784. Now, how much do we have in the bank to cover the checks? 97 cents. (laughs) You see, Dean, it just balances. (laughs) Well, this kid belongs in Congress. All right, Dean, I get it. You're mad at me. Jerry, I'm not mad at you. Oh, yes, you are. Oh, stop that. What makes you think I'm mad at you? I don't see me in your eyes anymore. Well, don't blame me. I told you to get a haircut. I know who you're both mad at. Me. You're hinting that I don't keep your books right, that I'm losing your money. Now, 
swine. I'm not a fish. The next thing I know, you'll be saying nasty things to me. But Florence, we're your friends. You see? There you go. Oh, come on, <laughs> Betty Davis, please. <laughs> we appreciate you, Florence, really. This is the first time your books have ever been in the red. Oh, now you're accusing me of being a communist. <laughs> Gee, Dean, now we are sunk. The opening of our club is only two weeks off and we're counting on a secretary to help us. Everything seems to be going against us and we're going to lose all the money we've invested in the club. What? Everything seems to be going against us and we're going to lose all the money we've invested in the club. Now, Jerry. I haven't done anything like it every time we Take try it easy, Jerry. Now, smile. Go ahead, smile. No. Now, blow your nose. No. Now, there's nothing to be upset about. All we got to do to get a new secretary is to put an ad in the paper. An ad for a new secretary? Sure. Oh, boy, a new secretary. Hey, I got it. How's this? Wanted. Beautiful, luscious young girl to be secretary to beautiful, luscious young executive. Object? To set a new record for the around-the-desk chase. <laughs> it's not going to be anything like that, Jerry. I don't want an attractive girl who will keep your mind off of work. The ad should read like this. Wanted... Efficient secretary, must be plain looking, dressed simply, prefer a girl with glasses. Now, go ahead, run on down to the paper with that right away. Go ahead, put it in the paper. Hurry up. Me, run down? Yeah. What about you? I'm too run down as it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too run down as it is. <laughs> oh, that was a swifty. <laughs> Jerry, I'd be glad to take the ad to the paper, but uh, right now I've got to rehearse that production number we planned, remember? Oh, sure. How did that go again? Your lips tell me no, no, but there's murine in your eyes. <laughs> Sing it, old man. Your lips tell me no, no, but there's yes, yes in your eyes. I've been missing your kissing just because I wasn't wise. I'll stop my scheming and dreaming Cause I realize Your lips tell me no, no But there's yes, yes in your eyes Come on over here, honey, I ain't gonna hurt you Let me talk to you Your lips tell me no, no but there's yes, yes, right in your eyes. Well, I've been missing all your kissing just because I wasn't wise. Well, I stopped my scheming, stopped my dreaming, cause I just realized.
While Dean and Jerry are hoping for some response to their ad for a secretary, on the other side of town, a leading movie producer is awaiting a conference with his star, Miss Jane Russell. Come in. You uh, wanted to see me, Mr. Johnson? Oh, yes. Come in, Jane. Well, Jane, I'll come right to the point. It's about your next picture. You know, you were such a success in that picture, The Pale Face. How would you like to do another picture with Bob Hope? Bob Hope? Yes, Bob Hope. Oh, please, Mr. Johnson. Don't they need a leading lady for Mighty Joe Young? <laughs> now, look, the studio's bought a story in which you play the part of a private secretary. I don't think you should take a real job as a secretary for a couple of weeks to get the feel of the part. Where can I get a job as a secretary? Well, I've got the answer to that, Jane. I hear in the paper it says, um, wanted, efficient secretary, must be plain-looking, dress simply, prefer girl with glasses. You think that describes me? <laughs> of course not. But we're going to have the makeup department braid your hair in pigtails and give you some horn-rimmed glasses. Well, okay, Mr. Johnson. Oh, by the way, who will I be working for? Well, the name in the ad just says Martin and Lewis. Martin and Lewis? Mm-hmm. I better pick up some track shoes, too. <laughs> well, anyway, here's the address, Jane. And be sure you disguise yourself enough so that no one will recognize you as Jane Russell. Hmm. You know, this could be really fun. I, uh, I guarantee you, they'll never recognize me. Well, Jerry, our ad for a new secretary came out in this morning's paper, and I hope we get some results soon. We've got lots of work to do if we ever expect to open our nightclub in two weeks. Yeah, I'm really excited. I know we asked for a plain-looking girl, but... Wouldn't it be wonderful if we got a beautiful girl with dreamy blue eyes, luscious lips, and... Gee, maybe that's her now. Come in. Here I am. <laughs> What's the matter, kid? I was expecting a glass of champagne, and I end up with a bucket of Clorox. <laughs> well, bottoms up. Sophie, what brings you over here? Well, I just got this morning's paper, and I see where you guys are advertising for a secretary. Oh, no, your eyes may be blue, but they're not that dreamy. No, I wasn't talking about me, kid. I just thought that maybe I could help you boys out, you see? I happen to know a few girls who could uh, handle this job. Oh, you do? Yeah, yeah, I do. I'll uh, <laughs> just thumb through my address book here and I'll see what I can find for you. <laughs> well, nothing under the A's. <laughs> idea, Sophie. Maybe I ought to look at my address book for secretary. Yeah, Wait a minute. I'll thumb through mine. <laughs> well, kids, you find any names? Yes, but mother doesn't need the work. <laughs> now, let's get back to my address book, hey? And uh, now, here on uh, page 312, volume 4, <laughs> a cute little number, name of reader. Yeah, reader, five feet two, Red hair and D-I-T-B. D-I-T-B? Yeah. 
dynamite in the balcony. <laughs> well, uh, what, what's this one down here? Elaine, O-M-H-G. Yeah, O-M-H-G. Does that stand for Oomphy Miss Heavenly Gam? No. Old man has gun. <laughs> Well, let's see, here's uh, Joanne, there's uh, Doris, Rose, June, Mary, Sam. Sam? Yeah, oh, well, that's just a nickname. Paul. <laughs> Full name is Samuel. We have here uh, Diane. Oh, Evelyn, say, now that Evelyn, that might be a very good secretary for you guys. Yeah, she's not working right now either. Well, uh, how's her shorthand? Well, I don't know, but her legs are terrific. <laughs> she she uh, used to be a bubble dancer. She used to do a terrific dance, you know, but then one night there was an awful thing happened. But what was? Well, you see, she was dancing, dancing to the tune of Pop Goes the Weasel. Yeah? She got a bubble tune near a ringside table and some weasel popped it. <laughs> You, you've got the wrong idea, Sophie. We don't want a cute secretary who'll distract us from our work. We want a very plain, efficient secretary. Oh, well, if that's what you want, you are really getting it. <laughs> Look, coming up the walk there. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> yeah, look at her, Dean. Pigtails, business suit, horn-rimmed glasses, no makeup. She looks like Neptune's daughter at low tide. <laughs> Well, boys, this is your problem. I will see you later. Gee, Dean, you were the one who wanted to hire a plain-looking girl, but this girl who's coming is too homely. I better tell her the job is all filled. Come in. Uh, how do you do? I'm looking for Martin and Lewis. You got the wrong address, lady. Well, I'm an Abner. <laughs> oh, Jerry. Come on in, miss. I suppose you're here in answer to our ad. Yes, you, uh, you advertise for a plain-looking girl with glasses, so uh, here I am. Well, all right. Now, uh, your name is... Uh... Jane Russ... Um, Hockenhaven. Hockenhaven? That's right. Well, I guess if someone had to be named Hockenhaven, it sure ought to be you. <laughs> Look, um, if you don't want to call me by my full name, you can just use my nickname. What's that? Sam. <laughs> Say, miss, tell me one thing. Yes. Are you for real? <laughs> Miss, I, I think I ought to warn you. We're opening a nightclub in two weeks, and there's a lot of work to do. Yeah, and you probably won't like this job at all. It, it, it's awful hard, uh, 24 hours a day, going at top speed. Oh, I don't think I'll mind. Oh, but I'm a tough boss. I'm a dynamo. Why, why I don't think anything of working my fingers right down to my secretary's bones. <laughs> You know, uh, you'll have to forgive my partner, miss. He had a very tough time last night. He was thinking. He was thinking? Yeah, and today he's got a Charlie horse in the head. Look here, Dean Martin. I don't have to stand around here and have you tolerate me. No? Absolutely not. I can always sit down, you know. Look, Miss Hockenhaven, I think you'll do fine for this job. Thanks. Now, wait a minute, Dean. Don't let this poor girl accept before she knows what she's getting into. Oh, I don't think I'll mind, really, but uh, what are my duties? Well, you answer the phone, sharpen the pencils, type the letters, fill the wastebaskets, keep the books, 
Empty the cash register, file the mail, mail the files. Wash my socks, hoist the mangel, lift that barge, tote that bale. And you work from nine to five, eight hours every day except Saturday, which is 31. <laughs> now, never mind trying to discourage her anymore, Jerry. Miss Hockenhaven, you're hired. <laughs> well, okay, I guess. Here, Miss Hockenhaven, let me take your bag. Uh, gee, it's so heavy. What have you got in it? Track shoes. <laughs> well, now that we've got a secretary again You better get to work, Jerry The musicians are all set up there on the bandstand So, you know, to rehearse that number I'm going to sing for opening show You mind? Now, come on Oh, oh, gee, gee I- I'd love to hear you sing, Mr. Martin Before we start in our work Couldn't we listen to you? I think you're wonderful Ah, oh, you're just saying that to make me feel good I mean, sure work <laughs> The song's called Room Full of Roses, and it goes something like this. If I sent a rose to you For every time you made me blue You'd have a Send a rose of white For every time I cried all night You'd have a room full of roses And if you took the petals And you tore them all apart You'd be tearing at the roses Just the way you tore my heart If someday you are feeling blue And you could send some roses too Well, I don't want a room full of just want my arms full of you. And if you took the petals and you tore them all apart, you'd be tearing at the roses just the way you tore my heart. If someday you are feeling blue and you could send some roses too, well, I don't want a
Thank you for letting me listen to you rehearse, Mr. Martin. I loved it. Oh, thanks. And uh, I, I got to go check on the drapes and the decorations that the workmen are putting up around the dance floor now. Don't you worry about a thing, Miss Hockenhaven. Jerry will show you exactly what to do. Right. Okay, Dean. See you later. How do you like that, Dean? He hires a homely secretary and then leaves me all alone with her. I'll show her. Well, miss, guess we better get to work. That's our motto around this office. Work, work, work. More work. You've got to continue to work. And we work a little harder and a little harder. We get things accomplished and we work and work. And we work some more. And then we work. And we work a little more and work, work, work. Well, okay, let's get started. I can't. I just wore myself out. <laughs> Mr. Lewis, are you sure you know what you're doing? Do I know what I'm doing? Listen, brother. No, you mean sister, don't you? I'm sure that nobody would ever mistake me for their brother. I would, but I'm only 23 years old. What do I know? <laughs> now, I suppose you know all about typing, miss. Well, uh, no, no, I'm not too familiar with typing. There's nothing to it. I'll show you. Come over to the desk here. See, you just bend over the typewriter like this, and you go... That's pretty good, huh? Yeah, I'll say. But doesn't that hurt your nose? <laughs> Wait a minute. You're the one who's supposed to type anyhow. Now, just sit down there and I'll dictate a letter. Ready? Yes, sir. Dear sir, my laundry came back this week with all the buttons missing from my pajamas. If this happens again, I'm going to sue. Because if our house catches on fire and I have to run out... Oh. <laughs> now, did you get that? Just four words of it. What are they? Are you for real? <laughs> Am I for real? Why, when a person's for real, it means they're alive and made out of flesh and blood and breathing and living. And as you can see, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, well, I missed that question. Can I stand by for the jackpot? <laughs> okay, put that letter in an envelope and get it out in the first mail. Come in. Who is it? Hello, Mr. Lewis. Lawrence, it's you. Yes, it's me. Then you've come back? Yes. I've come back. Well, how are things in Capistrano? <laughs> Mr. Lewis, I couldn't leave you and Mr. Martin helpless, so I came back to go to work. But, Florence, we replaced you with Miss, uh, Miss, uh... Miss Hockenhaven. You replaced me with her? Yes, she's very efficient. Well, all right, if you prefer efficiency to beauty and oomph. <laughs> now, just wait a minute. Well, I'm sorry, honey. I wouldn't hurt your feelings for the world. After all, it isn't your fault if you're the mousy type. <laughs> the mousy type? Now, listen, you just well, a minute. Well, I'm going to... Girls, 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 please stop it. I can't blame you for fighting over me, but believe me, I'm worth it. <laughs> You do need the job, you poor girl. Those glasses and those pigtails. Why, when I see a girl like you and then look in the mirror and see myself, I say, Oh, Florence, you gorgeous doll, you. Say, <laughs> hey, you're pretty happy with yourself, aren't you, honey? Sure. Florence is lovely. She's engaged. She smokes talcum powder. <laughs> Mr. Lewis, well, if you two think you can take my job away from me this easy, you're mistaken. I'm going out and talk to Mr. Martin. Gee, she's pretty sought me, ain't she? 
sort you. Why, Mr. Lewis, you don't understand anything about a woman. She doesn't want the job half as much as she wants to be around you. Well, Natch, after all, can you blame her? Why, I've been out with Lana Turner, Ava Gardner, Linda Darnell, Jane Russell. Uh, you've been out with Jane Russell? Yeah. Sort of surprised you, didn't I? <laughs> you sure did. Oh, boy, what I could tell you about that Janie baby. <laughs> Well, please do tell me about Janie, baby. <laughs> is she is she really pretty? Oh, she's gorgeous. You know, I've heard that she's actually sort of plain looking, that uh, you'd never even notice her in a crowd. That's really silly. Why, I'd know Jane Russell if I were within a hundred yards of her, blindfolded. Jane. <laughs> You really are clever, aren't you? <laughs> but you know, I'm glad to hear that she's so pretty because a few people have told me that I look a little bit like her. You? <laughs> look like Jane Russell? Are you out of your mind? <laughs> well, don't you think that I look even a little bit like her? After all, at least we're both girls. Sure. And Stanley's steamers and Cadillacs are both automobiles, but what a difference on the way up the Mulholland Drive. <laughs> oh, brother, now wait a minute. This has gone far enough. You've never parked on Mulholland Drive with Jane Russell. Don't kid yourself. Why, the last time we were up there, she hugged me and kissed me, and she even whispered in my ear that I'm the only man in her life. <sighs> Jerry. I'm Jane Russell. Imagine me, the only man in her life. Jerry, Jerry, I said, I'm Jane Russell. Well, which way to Boys Town? <laughs> now, now, wait a minute. You scared me so much, I almost believed you for a second. Dean, come in here. It's pretty warm in here, miss, but you'll be all right in a few minutes. Dean, hurry! Now, stay on your own side of the desk and just take it easy. Dean! Jerry, what's the matter? Miss Hockenhaven thinks she's Jane Russell. It's so warm in here, the heat must have gone to her head. All right, all right, I can show you all. I'll fluff out my hair, and I'll take off my glasses and put on a little lipstick. There. Why, it is Jane Russell. Gee. No wonder I thought it was warm in here. <laughs> but, uh, Miss Russell, I don't understand this at all. Well, the studio wanted me to get some experience as a secretary for my next picture, so they talked me into putting on this disguise and applying for the job. Gee, Dean, how do you like that? I was trying to make her work so hard she'd quit the job, and I stood right here in front of her and bragged about having dates with Jane Russell. And I told her how awful she looked. I was complaining about you hiring an ugly girl, and all the time you'd really hire Jane Russell. And, and Dean? What? Boy, did she make a fool out of you. Well, I finally got everything squared around, Jerry. I apologized to Jane Russell before she left, and... I finally got Florence to take her old job back. Gee, I'm sorry I caused you so much trouble, Dean. Oh, that's all right. The only thing I regret is that you told Jane Russell all those fibs. The idea, standing right there in front of her and bragging about having a date with her and taking her up on Mulholland Drive. Gee, Dean, I didn't mean to lie. I mean, I didn't mean to lie. I didn't lie. That is, I mean, I didn't know I was lying because I thought that she was 
Well, you see, it's dark up there on Mulholland Drive, and she said, Ah, Dean, let's face it. Face what? Some girl's been making an awful fool out of me, too. (laughs) Good night, folks, and thank you, Miss Jane Russell. Good night, everybody. show transcribed in Hollywood is produced by Robert L. Redd and written by Ray Allen and Dick McKnight with Cy Rose and Mort Lockman. Next week, our guest will be Cesar Romero. Jane Russell can soon be seen in the Howard Hughes production, The Outlaw. Now, here's a reminder. Tomorrow night's wonderful lineup of NBC attractions includes The Adventures of Archie Andrews, Henry Morgan, and Mr. District Attorney. This is Ben Alexander suggesting you tune in to your NBC station each Tuesday evening at the same hour for the Martin and Lewis Show. Thank you for listening, and thanks as well to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I hope you're listening next week when I'll uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.